Okay, so it is officially Christmas season. Thanksgiving is over. We can move right into Christmas. Everybody excited about that, right? Yes. These guys are excited. You guys, not so much. It's okay. It's all right. We'll get through it together. Um, So here's a question for you. Who already has their Christmas tree up? Who doesn't have their Christmas tree up? I don't have my Christmas tree up yet. All right, so how many people fake tree? Real tree? Okay, okay. So... Our family, our tradition is we go cut a tree, a real tree, every year. I complain about it. I grumble, and I don't like it. It's never straight. It's pointing in all directions. Every year I threaten we're going to get a fake tree, and my family outvotes me every year. And I'm like, you guys aren't the ones trying to get it to sit up straight. Some years we actually have to tie it to the wall, okay, because we're too cheap to buy the, like, the nice real trees. We go out, you know, go into the neighbor's lawn, you know, cut that down. Yeah, sorry, it'll grow back. Don't worry about that. So I love Christmas. Christmas is like my holiday. I love everything about it. I love the the tree, the music, um, all the lights, and the food, right? The food is awesome, all the desserts. Not the season to go on a diet at all. So don't even think about it. And the Christmas music, I love Christmas music. I, I really start listening to Christmas music about January 1st, okay? It's weird, and my, my, my family's like, why are you still listening to this? I'm like, because it's awesome. And I know that some of you have family traditions that you do during this time. I know that we do. Uh, who, who has some family traditions? Anybody? Yeah? Yell it out. What do you do? Christmas lights outside of your house, right, into the music, yeah, these guys do Christmas lights in Middleville every year, and a couple of times it's been my music, right? Yeah, that's embarrassing. <laughs> that's horrible. <laughs> that's horrible. Anybody else got a cool tradition? Yeah, what do you got? Baking cookies. That's what I'm talking about. The, like the sugar cookies. Oh, yeah, you got to do that. Anybody else? Anybody else? We a tradition. Anybody? No? Okay, you're all done. No traditions. All right. So we have all these things, and, and of course, Christmas movies, right? Christmas movies are awesome. My favorite Christmas movie, actually my favorite movie is really Christmas Vacation. I will watch that in July at 95 degrees and humid. I will watch Christmas Vacation. Anybody got a favorite Christmas movie? Die up one. That is a Christmas movie. I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah, so the Christmas movies, all this stuff, and and even to this day, my wife shakes her head because as I'm watching Christmas Vacation, I laugh at all the same scenes I've seen a million times. She's like, why do you still find this funny? Because it's funny. That's why. So anyways, I, I, I love the season, but here's the thing with this season, and I understand this, that for some of us, it's a hard season. As we, we may be dealing with... Uh, grief, we may be dealing with loss, and I wanted to just acknowledge that this morning, that some of us are dealing with stuff, some of us are going through certain things, and there's a lot of emotion that comes, and I don't want to miss that. It's not all fun, and it's not all food and movies and all that. Some of us are really dealing with a sense of loss. So here's what I want to do. I just want to pray before we really dive in this morning over those people who are really in that season of grief. So God, we come before you, and we I pray for the people, and maybe this is the first Christmas without a mom or dad, a son or a brother or daughter. This is the first Christmas without grandma. God, I just pray for those who are, are dealing with this sense of loss and sense of mourning. That we would understand that even in the morning, 
We have joy through you. We have peace through you. So I pray for that joy and peace to overwhelm them. We pray it in your name. Let's say it together. Amen. Amen. So another classic Christmas movie uh, is A Christmas Story. Anybody watch that? A Christmas Story, you know, Ralphie and the Red Rider BB gun. I remember seeing that, that for the first time as a kid with my, my brothers. We kind of stumbled upon it and we're like, this is awesome. And that's the story of, of a young kid wanting a gift who ended up getting the gift. And does anybody remember the quote when he said, I want to get a BB gun? Anybody remember what they said to him? Yeah, see, there you go. I think it's like TBS streams that movie 24 hours, right, for, for Christmas. It's crazy. So what we're going to talk about today and as we, as, we, as we move into this series called A Christmas Story is the Christmas story. Of course, not about Ralphie and his BB gun, not about presents. It's about Jesus coming to this earth, forever changing it. And the story that started a long time ago, and we all know the story, way before the first Christmas, we're going to take a look at leading, what led up to the birth of Jesus. Because long before Jesus came to the earth, these things were foretold. In the Old Testament, there were things foretold about Jesus' birth, and they're called prophecies. Some of you are like, I don't know, that sounds like Lord of the Rings or Narnia. I'm not sure about that. There are 109 specific prophecies when it comes to the Messiah coming. And we're going to take a look at that. As we start to dive into this Christmas story, we have to understand what led up to the birth before we get there. And through it all, here's what I want you to understand and what, you want, what I want you to know today is that God had a plan through it all. Now, a prophecy is really just saying something that's going to happen in the future, Saying something that's going to happen in an amount of time and have it come true. So this is what happened in the Bible is, as the prophecies came in about Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, the long-awaited Messiah. As we dive into this, I hope we get a glimpse that God had a plan. That God had a plan from the beginning. God knew that one day, he would have to send his son Jesus to save the world. And in the Old Testament, he used specific people to pave the way known as prophets. Some of this might seem, you know, a little weird to you if you're not familiar with the Old Testament and all that stuff, but stick with me on this. They were known as prophets. And I'm not a Bible scholar, but I love how all of these things with the prophets, how they foretold about Jesus, I love how it all fit together. I love how even before Jesus was born, they knew what was coming through these prophecies. Before Mary and the angel, before the star, as we know the story, before the wise men and the shepherd, before the manger, shaping what we now know as the Christmas story. And this is what it says in Genesis. This is the beginning of the Bible, if you know the Bible. and it's Genesis is the first book of the Bible. It says this in Genesis 49. It says, The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until to whom it belongs shall come 
and the obedience of the nation shall be his. Talking about Jesus. In Genesis, they started talking about the promise. So basically what this is saying is at the time of Jesus, when Jesus is born, Israel will have control over their own society. And if you know anything about biblical history, there are times when, when the Israelites, when the, the Israel people, the Jewish people had control of their own society and when they didn't, when they were in slavery. But it's saying at the time when the Savior comes, they will have control over their own society, except for capital punishment. In the time of Jesus, the Romans took that one thing away from him and said, you can't do that. That comes through us. That's why Jesus, before his crucifixion, had to go before Pontius Pilate. But they had control over everything else. And this is what God knew. He had a plan. He had a plan. And everything surrounding his birth. And Jesus was born, and we all know this, in a town called Bethlehem. In a town called Bethlehem, we all know the, 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 the story, hopefully. And again, this is the place where Jesus' birth was foretold, again, in the Old Testament. So this is all leading up, all leading up to this moment where Jesus is going to be born. And they said this in, in the Old Testament in Micah 5, 2. It says, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one who, to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. I love this. The prophet Micah actually goes into detail about where Jesus is going to be born. This is 700 years before Jesus is born, Okay. Micah says this, and he gives specific detail about where Jesus is going to be born. And this is so important because he says, get this, in Bethlehem, Ephrathah. Now, back then, there were two Bethlehems, okay? There was one in the north, there was one in the south. Bethlehem, Ephrathah was in the south, and he's saying, that's where the Savior is going to be born. It's a lot like, I'm from Clarksville, Michigan, okay? That's where I grew up, uh, to about fifth grade, and uh, there's a Clarksville Tennessee, the one that ugh, the Beatles sang about. My last train to Clarksville. You guys know. Okay, anyways. So there's two Bethlehems, just like there's two. Actually, when I was growing up, I thought that song was about Clarksville, Michigan. And when I found out it was about Clarksville, Tennessee, it completely ruined me. I just like, oh, well, I guess we're not that important. But, but Micah says, hey, it's gonna, the, the Savior of the world is going to be born in Bethlehem, Ephrathah, being specific because it was important for him to be specific as Jesus comes and fulfills the prophecy that Micah is talking about. And you guys know the song, Oh Little Town. Oh Little Town of Bethlehem, how still we see the light. You guys know that? But my deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars going by. I'm just going to sing the rest of the message. So, uh, so Micah says it's 700 years before it took place. Can you imagine? This is very cool stuff to me. That something is being said 700 years before it actually happened. And side note, this gives credibility to Jesus' birth. Because before he was ever born, all of these prophecies, 109 of them specific to his birth, were being fulfilled through him. And at one church, one of our drivers and one of our values is one truth. One God, one truth, one mission. And that one truth is the scripture. That one truth 
is the Bible. And we need to believe in its authority. And this gives it authority as they, they prophesied over his birth and him coming to fulfill that. 700 years, God had a plan. God has a plan. Now, Jesus' mother, we all know her, right? What's her name? Mary. Yeah, Mary. They actually talk about Mary in the Old Testament as uh, in Isaiah. And it says this in 714. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel. So the prophet Isaiah is talking about Mary. The one who will give birth to Jesus. The virgin who will give birth to Jesus. And fulfilled in Luke 2. I love this stuff. Fulfilled in Luke 2. From, from Isaiah to Luke, the, the, the angel Gabriel came to Mary. And you know he says, hey, you're going to be with child. You're going to call him Emmanuel. God with us. And Mary, of course, says this. She goes, I, how can this be? I have not been with a man. Gabriel says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. Mary, the virgin, giving birth to Jesus, was prophesied by the prophet Isaiah in chapter 7, 14, fulfilling it. And as the story goes on, and we're going to talk about these things in the next couple of weeks. Next week, we're going to talk about Mary and kind of that whole situation as the, the angel and dealing with, you know, what it meant to be pregnant and Jewish and all not married and all this stuff. We're going to talk about her next week as we continue the story. But we also know about the star, right? The star that the wise men followed, the gifts that the wise men gave. We know that part of the story. They went on camel and they, 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 they went to the find the Messiah. And this is what it says in numbers, it says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. See, the wise men were from Persia. They were not Jewish. They were not Hebrew. And they understood what that meant even more than the Hebrew scholars of the day. They actually had more faith in that prophecy than the Hebrew scholars of the day saying, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob and a scepter will rise out of Israel. They studied that. They understood it. And they knew it was coming. They knew it was coming. And Jesus, the Son of God, again, Isaiah telling us how Jesus would come in the flesh, God in human form, not just a spiritual being, but in human form, both a spirit and human. In Isaiah 9, it says this, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, a human child, a human child, flesh. This is what it says in Isaiah. The Mighty God, Prince of Peace. Man and spirit combined. The thing about Isaiah, too, is he prophesied about Jesus' death. And it says that in, in, in Isaiah 53, 4, 
He says, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. God had a plan. All the way from Genesis, through the prophets, saying, Jesus is coming. I have a plan to save and redeem a world and my people. And as we know, the wise men, they brought the gifts And this is what it says in Psalm 72. May the kings of of Tarshish and the distant shores bring tribute to him. May the kings of Sheba and the, the Seba present him gifts. May all kings bow down to him and all nations serve him. That was written in Psalm long before the wise men started on their journey. And with this story of Christmas, when the story of Jesus, I think a lot of times what we do is we read that story and we've heard it, you know, Jesus, the manger, the angel, the shepherds. But there's a little bit more after that that I think is important because it too was prophesied about in Jeremiah. And it says this, This is what the Lord says. A voice is heard in Ramah, mourning and great weeping. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. You see, after Jesus was born, shortly after he was born, Herod, the ruler at the time, he learned from the wise men that he was going to be born a baby, went out to destroy him. And this is a an interesting part of the story because it was once, it was actually foretold, but Herod, who actually killed two of his own sons because he didn't want his throne and his kingdom taken, he went out and he made a decree. And it says this in Matthew 2, 13 through 18. When they had gone, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child, Jesus, and his mother Mary and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for this child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. Out of Egypt I call my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem in its vicinity were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what he said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. So what Jeremiah said was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing comfort because they are no more. Out of the miracle, there was mourning. I think one of the things I've learned in my own life is that when God has a plan, man, culture isn't too far behind trying to stop it. Because ego 
and pride gets in our way because we're afraid of our kingdom being taken over, our agenda being taken over, our plan being taken over. God has a plan. God is bigger than all of that. And here's the thing with God's plans is they always succeed. They always succeed, no matter how people try to stop it. So in all of this, I thought it was a good idea that we look at what came before Jesus' birth, before the angel, before Mary, before Joseph, before the wise men and the shepherds, before the manger and the barn full of animals. The groundwork was being laid throughout history for the Messiah to come. God with us. God had a plan. God had a plan. God's grace and his mercy had a plan to send his son Jesus for you, for me. God had a plan of reconciliation and redemption for you and for me. And about all of this, all the prophecies, Jesus' birth. This is a story of love between God and his creation, between God and his people. We can look at all this stuff and say, man, how you love us. How you love us. Even from the beginning, you knew it would take your son to take our sin and our shame. God had a plan to save us, to deliver us, to redeem us through his son, Jesus. And God has a desire. God has a desire for us to know him. His desire is for us to know him. So if you're here today and you're like, you know what, I don't really have a relationship with God. I wouldn't call myself a follower of Jesus. He came for you. Jesus came for you in your mess. And maybe this Christmas is a Christmas that you give yourself the greatest gift where you surrender your life. And you say, you know what, I, God, I need you. I see the sin in my life, and I'm asking for forgiveness. Please come into my life. Maybe that's you today, or you just need to surrender. And if that is you today, and you've got questions, you're like, I don't know where to go with this. We have a resource for you. Out on our resource table, there's a book called Seven Basics. Grab that book. It kind of just lays out kind of just all the questions for, for new believers and, 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 and some theology stuff. Grab that. It's free. But God has a plan. God has a plan. Even now, his plan is working. And throughout history, the greatest love story ever, Jesus coming, saving us. And I know some of you are sitting there because I know I've sat there too, and I'm like, you know what? I don't deserve that. I don't deserve it in my own life because I'm so messed up and screwed up. I don't deserve that kind of love but yet he came, all leading up to his death and resurrection for us. I love this story. And I love the fact that he loves us.